every believer has the capacity to live as Jesus lived. Live victoriously over sin, sickness, death, poverty, and every evil works of the enemy. You can transform not just your own life, but the lives of people around you. The more you expose yourself to the words of God, the more you see it flow through you. In this message, Pastor Philip teaches on how you can respond to God's unconditional love for you. Live your life in the reality of His power and be all His Word says you can be. All right, this morning I have a short word for you from the Lord and I will be speaking on making marriage work. Making marriage work. If you're wondering um, how this applies to you, especially for those of you who are single, well, the time of your singlehood is fast coming to an end. Yes, that's a prophecy. Everyone who is of marriageable age, your time of remaining single is coming to an end. God will settle you very quickly. I mean, directly in front of me, I already see the young lady mingling with the young man right beside her. Very sharp young lady like that. I love you, sis. I love how you are doing it. The rest of you, please take you. I want proposals after service today. Yes, very quickly. When Adam woke up from his slumber and saw Eve... It was his first time of seeing her. And he said what? This is the bone of my bone. You should be going about with your proposal ring, you men. Because you may doze off and just wake up and behold the bone of your bone. The flesh of your flesh. Do you get it? So I'm talking about making marriage work. It applies to you, whether you are married or you are single. You definitely will learn something this morning. You definitely will leave this place with something this morning. Today's message is inspired by um, a chapter in the book I'm working on currently. And the chapter is Don't Explain Away My Miracle. And that's what made me, you know, think towards this direction. You will understand me now. When I met my husband, whom I lovingly refer... Please appreciate Pastor Philip. He has, he has just walked in with the strong men of Philip right behind him. Welcome, sir. Where was I? Ah. <laughs> they like stories. So you guys must have heard the story of how we met, right? Yeah. Okay, so let me quickly tell you the story. For those who have not heard it before. I heard the people that started SLC on this side. They are saying, tell us again. They must have heard it up to 20 times. But it's okay. We'll go over the story again. So I was just going to join the choir in the fellowship where I had been for, I mean, three years, three sessions on campus. I'd been in that fellowship, but I was in Sunday school units. So I was teaching Sunday school. 
And then something happened, and I just felt like, okay, I need to move to the choir. After all, I've been in the choir all my life. So I wanted to join the choir. And that was my final year in the university. Now, that same session, Pastor Philip left his fellowship, the fellowship he was attending. You know the story of how he left that church, right? And God told him to go to castle. I was in castle. God told him, go to castle. So, he even argued a bit because he had no friend in castle. He had friends in Caris, um, Love, what's the name of that fellowship? Christ Love Fellowship. He had friends there. He had worshipped there once or twice. You know, they were even calling him that, you know, come. But he just had this conviction that God wants me to go to castle. And when he came to castle, he decided to join the choir. And so even though I'd been in castle for three years, I was never in the choir. The year I decided to join the choir, he came into castle and he was going to join the choir immediately. Hallelujah. Now, when he now came to the choir, that was the first time I saw him. We were supposed to do auditioning. So we were not yet choir members. It was a meeting for those who wanted to join the choir. And when I saw him, my God. Sincerely, when I look at those throwback pictures, I'm like, but eh, Philip that I fell in love with, it was very fine. Oh. I don't know where those pictures came from. Who edited those pictures like that? Because my heart literally stopped. Why? Why so fine? Why so fine, Pastor? Hallelujah. But I didn't talk to him. I just maintained spirituality. No room for carnality. Just focusing on the Lord Jesus. Especially because me and my friend... We had promised each other that I think we have seen all the guys there is to see on Obafemi Aulo University campus. Let us just leave relationship and face Jesus. So that is why when he sat behind me and began to sing with the finest voice I've ever heard on a man, I'm like, Jesus. He was trying to carry me to where I But self-control intact. All focus on Jesus. So I said nothing. Until one day I was discussing with my friend, who is a keyboardist in the same choir. He has been my friend before I joined the choir. So I was talking to him about chords and all of that. And he heard me. And so he, he came to join the conversation. That, wait, are you actually talking about chords? Do you know music? One or two things. I'm like, I rebuke you. And so I just answered shabbily, and I left. Then he followed me. That I was, you know, I was trying to have a conversation with you. Are you in a hurry or something? Uh, okay, I'm not in a hurry, but can you let me go? I'm saying no to temptations. Anyway, that was the night I fell in love with him. Yes, I always say it was love at first conversation. 
that night, we eventually walked together with a group of our friends, my friends, his new friends. We walked together and somehow the group just left us and we were right behind them. And we spoke for four hours on that walk. When we got to my hostel, of course, good night. Everyone said good night, good night. It was me and him. We spoke for so long. And I will never forget. When I got to my room, I fell on my knees. If you're a little close to me, you know I'm very dramatic. I said, Lord Jesus, are you seeing what I'm seeing? <laughs> Not that I want to break the promise I made to you, but did you hear him? That was the first night we spoke. And within 10 days, on the 10th day, counting from that night, he asked me to be his wife. Yes, will you marry me? Straight. <laughs> Our pastor is such a phenomenal man. I tell you, he said, I love you. I am sure. Will you marry me? So I said, let me think about it. Me that I've said yes since which day? I said, let me think about it. And maybe or the, the following day or the day after, I say, well, yes, let us just, you know. I'm your wife, sir. And so right from the beginning, the connection was quite, you know, strong. And this is where I'm going to. Let no one explain away your miracle. You remember? That's where we started from. And people said, oh, you like him too much. A friend of mine said that. It's, it's, it, you are making it obvious to him that you like him. He's going to soon start taking you for granted. I remember telling her, don't you know I like you? Because really, if I like you, you will know. Don't you know I like you? She said, yes. But you know, this is a man. To the pure, all things are pure. Just leave it the way it is. After three months, four months, you know, five months, and it was obvious that we were really into each other, then people began to say, it's because you just met, especially that Philip. Didn't they say that's his first girlfriend? He has never been in love before. That's why. That's why they are behaving that way. Then one year down the line, like, eh, it's still one year now, you don't understand what relationship is about. That is why it seems like you guys like each other so much. That's why you are following each other up and down. Four years down the line is because you are not married. When you get married now, you will realize that you don't know him at all. Yes, this one that you are, you are bragging and all of these things. Then we got married and, and they said, it's because you are newlyweds. You have not seen life. When you get pregnant now, you know people will just tend to be showing their true color. Then I was pregnant, and they said, ah, the reason why he still loves you so much is because of your first pregnancy. When baby arrives now, things will balance. Which one is smiling at each other all the time. If I'm across a room from my husband, I'm trying to catch his gaze. I need him. I love him so much. Then three years, four years, things haven't changed much. Then they said, um, um, three years, four years down the line, um, someone now came up with something, which is, you are just lucky. 
Yeah, that's why the marriage is working. You, you are just lucky. So I don't know who is lucky, whether it's me or him, but you are just lucky. When I heard that you are just lucky from the third person, I told her, I'm not just lucky, I'm blessed. Then the final one that I now heard of recent is, it is because you are pastors. So that is why it seems like, I mean, we've been married for six and a half years before SLC. But it is because you are pastors. That is why the marriage is working. When the marriage is working, I want to let you know that the partners are working. No matter how silky and easy it looks, the two people in the marriage are definitely working. When a marriage is working, wisdom is working. There is a kind of wisdom that is required to build a home. There is a kind of wisdom that is required to sustain a relationship, to keep a relationship and nurture it till it becomes, you know, till it ends in marriage. When you see a marriage that is working, don't, don't, don't join people who look down on things like that. Don't join the people that talk down on things like that because definitely grace is working. And so this morning I pray for you that the wisdom required is supplied to you in the name of Jesus. The wisdom to make your relationship work. Oh, I prayed for wisdom. I prayed for wisdom. I prayed so much. On our first date, we had our first fight. Because, you know, I always say that when my husband says, you are stubborn, is a compliment. Because that, that's, just, that's just the design. Stubborn girl like me. But I asked God for help. I asked him for wisdom. That wisdom is made available for you in Jesus' name. The grace for a successful marriage. Because it is a grace. When someone sent me money for a wedding anniversary and said, I am sowing into a successful marriage. It's not about the money. God will supply all my needs. There's nothing I need that I don't have. But I realized that this is a person of the spirit. She said, I am sowing into a successful marriage. And I've been praying for her since then. That God grant her a heart desire. There is a grace that makes it look easy. That grace is made available for you in the name of Jesus. You will access wisdom like never before in Jesus' name. Okay, so what makes a marriage work? I've decided to think about it, you know, and, and I decided that, okay, let me share with you what has worked for me. This is not from anywhere, any book or something like that. This is from what I have observed in my own marriage. I am that woman that cried to God because I am a very intentional person. And I said, Lord, help me. 
had searched through the scriptures as I was preparing for my wedding. And I had said that, okay, so we are transitioning now from being boyfriend and girlfriend. We met when we were both collecting pocket money at home. And we had to calculate how much we can spend if we decide to eat out. I remember one time, I was allowed to buy food of 100 naira from A1. Pastor, do you remember? Because of the money, that was what he could afford, and he was taking me out. So for me, as you are going, you will buy food 100 naira. What are you buying? Me too, I'll buy food 100 naira. Do you agree? No problem. I got there, I bought food 120 naira. We started fighting. <laughs> because he said, but we talked about it. Why didn't you honor our agreement? And I'm like, boy, it's just 20 naira extra. We fought very well. I wish you knew me. Warrior. I don't back down. <laughs> but don't let me go into that. We must not be boasting in those kind of things. Hallelujah. So I told God, I need you to help me. Because I've said the scriptures. And he says, wife, submit to your husband. I don't even know what that means. Wife, submit to your husband. <laughs> Make sense, Lottiti. And the Holy Spirit told me that all over the pages of the scriptures, there are instructions for how to deal with your spouse. I'm going to begin to show you from now. I'm going to begin to show you from now. And so when you take my KJV, my KJV Bible, the blue little one, you will see where I've written M, 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 all over the pages. I'm going to be sharing some of those scriptures as we go on today. To make your marriage work, number one, you need God. Please write it down. And I will explain why you need God to you. I don't want you to think that I'm saying God because this is church and I'm a pastor and that is the right thing to say. No. God is the inventor of marriage. So how can you imagine that you can do marriage without him? How can two people become one without God? Human beings are, 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 are sort of selfish. Submitting to God is how we kill the flesh. And a man or a woman who is so much in the flesh, walking in the flesh, after self-pleasure, my own, my thing, what I want, what I think I deserve, such a man, such a woman is going to make a mess of their marriage. You need God. It is by understanding the intention of the inventor. That is the way to enjoy these things. Do you know that the world can talk from now till next tomorrow? They can bring out new principles. They can, and I know a lot of those principles. They can bring out new theories, new ideas. This is what we have just discovered. Look into each other's eyes. There is a connection of the soul going on, a magnetism. <laughs> All those things are nice. But without the foundation, which is God. It was God who said it is not good for a man to be alone. 
It was God who brought about this whole idea. So you need God. Hallelujah. You need God and you need to know that the intention of God for marriage is that two of you become one. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife and they will be one flesh. Jesus Christ now went further to say, after quoting that scripture, he said, what God has now joined together, let no man put asunder. Not even the two people involved in the marriage. Let no one put asunder. God intends for married couples to be unified in every possible way. He intends for us to be one in the true sense of the word. Intimacy on all grounds and on all levels. And when I say intimacy, of course, I do not mean um, romance and I do not mean sex only. They are part of it. Because the world is doing everything it can to sensationalize sex. I mean marriage. To sensationalize it and make it look like it is all about, you know, all these things. Matching outfits and um, beautiful pictures and vacations and um, all of those things. They are important. But in marriage, what you are basically doing is dying to self. Dying to self. Little things and big things. Little things like don't touch my charger. Because I don't know why my husband keeps using my charger when he has his. And the bad thing about him touching my charger and my pen and um, every other thing of mine that he decides to go and pick is that he knows where to pick them from because there's a place where I keep my things. Then, the reason why he's even going to pick something that belongs to me when he has his own, like charger, is because he has misplaced his own. This principle of let everything have a place and put everything in its place, I've taught this husband of mine over and over again. But I don't know, maybe I should, I should change my language, but I may have to learn French. I've said it in English, I've said it in Yoruba, I've written it, you know. He will not put things in his place. He will not go and pick my charger and still misplace it. So I will not tell him that, but if, there were, <laughs> if I didn't have a place where I normally put it, and you also know the place, you will not find it. But now you met it in that place. Why did you not return it? It's the same reason why I can't find his own. <laughs> Pastor said it as well. You are going to be dying to self. So I was saying that marriage is not about um, what it looks like, right? It's not about a, a big wedding, fantastic wedding, well-planned wedding, seven tears cake. All those things are nice. But marriage is actually walking on the path of God. Marriage is about becoming more and more like Jesus daily. Pastor, we always say that all the patients he refused to learn as a single person in marriage. Ah, he's first. The other day he told me, I laughed so much. After I had shown him something, 
you know, something close to Pepe. He told me that I now know what the problem is. And he said it so passionately. And I was willing to listen to what the problem is so that we can maybe begin to find a solution. He said the problem is that God put Adam to sleep when he was making Eve. Because now he removed the ribs. I went to mix something with it. And now I can't understand you. If only Adam was alive. If only Adam was awake. I'm like, okay, so that Adam can teach God what to do. Adam will be commanding God. We continue the argument. It's like, you are not sorry. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So you died to self. Oh, you learn. You learn patience. You learn patience. So let me leave this with you. God has a plan for marriage. And his plan for marriage is oneness. Not sameness. Not being the same. But oneness. Unity. Agreement. Okay? Myself and Pastor Philip can never be the same. It's not possible. And so when somebody told me, and somebody actually said that I'm not like Pastor Philip, I was wondering where he has been living. How will I be like him? The probability of being married to him, if I'm like him, is very low. He's choleric. He's a typical choleric. Speaks with a loud voice. I mean, pastor can stand there and be talking to someone that is on the stage. Why will you do that? I don't understand why people do those kind of things. Why will you be screaming? Why, why will you be screaming? Why will you be shouting? Just send someone or come down to say the thing. You know? But that's typical of them. And the louder people speak to me, the lower I speak. Like I'm trying to tell you, reduce your voice. Why are you shouting? Is there a problem? And when pastor wakes me up in the morning, because when he wakes up, he gets up from the bed and, you know, opens the bathroom door. Be like, you know, ah, my God. And where did I meet this guy? What happened to opening your eyes? And um, wondering if the sun has risen. Thinking about what day it is and what you would like to do for the day, and then falling back asleep <laughs> to wake up again and imagine what a beautiful world we live in. Thank God for electricity. Where are those children of mine? Probably still asleep. I mean, the first 30 minutes, I'm still booting. This guy is opening doors. He's working. I have to see this person today. I have to talk to this person. I'm, I'm putting a call to... One day I have to tell him, you want to call somebody by 5 a.m.? Don't try it. We are very different. But we are working in unity. And we are working towards achieving more unity. So that the two will be better than one. Because that is the plan of God. He says that one will chase a thousand and two will chase ten thousand. That is the power of agreement. That is the power of unity. And that is God's plan for your marriage. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is someone being blessed today? So agreement on all levels, in every level, 
For instance, agreement in values. And that is why those of you who are single, who are still single, I often feel that you are lucky. I often feel that, you know, when you listen to things like this, you'll be able to evaluate better. Look at the person you want to get married to better. Scrutinize him or her better. So that it will be easy for you. You are not trying to force them to be like you. I'm awake till two or most days. In fact, I had to set an alarm to 1.45 so that I can begin to encourage myself to sleep. Pastor is long asleep before that. But 4 a.m., he's up. By the time I'm getting up, he has done a whole lot of work. Praise Jesus. So I'm saying that you're not trying to force them to be like you, right? But you are trying to attain agreement. Agreement in rules. Agreement in values. What do we stand for? What are our goals? What are the principles that drive our lives? If there's an agreement in this area, you are moving closer to unity. Agreement in rules. What rules do we adhere to? I love rules. I love listing things. I like to write them down. It's not, it's not like I really like them, but I realize that it helps us to avoid questions. So everything is black or white. We know where we stand. We know what is expected of us. Praise God. Agreement and spirituality. It's amazing to realize that there are people who are married but are not in agreement when it comes to things of the spirit. Their approach to serving God. You know, wife is going to mountain to pray alone with some, um, you know, some people there sowing seeds that her husband does not know about. Husband is visiting prophets. I read somewhere when a woman said my husband came home and said that his mom's prophet has told him that she is his problem. That is why his glory is not, um, is not radiating. You left your wife at home, followed your mother to go and see a prophet. Is the person that is not there that is the problem now? If you had gone with your wife, maybe they would have said your mother is the problem. So agreement in the things of the spirit. What is your view about this? Hallelujah. Agreement in parenting. Agreement in parenting. To spank or not to spank. Make sure you are having those discussions in your marriage and in your relationship, okay? Finance, these are areas that you must have, you must agree on. Finances, friendships, and in all of this, submitting to superior wisdom. And that is why I'm saying that you need God. If both of you are submitted to God, you have God. When you disagree and you don't see eye to eye on an issue, then you know that you can go back to God, back to the scriptures to find answers. Selfishness can easily set in. I hope you know that. Oh, human beings can't be selfish. Even married people that vow to love each other on the, on the altar. Selfishness can set in. Greediness can set in. 
especially if one of them has a strong personality and the other person is more simple, more gentle. Before you know it, the one with the stronger personality, we've seen it all over, over and over again, begins to impose their will on the other one. And then the marriage becomes less enjoyable for the one who just doesn't want trouble. And so we say, yes, okay, just to avoid trouble. Do you understand me? All right, so you need God. My husband said to me, if you can find it in the Bible, I can never argue with you. My God, I need money. Let me just go and find this in the Bible. Amen. Okay, I have here, I said that the more you both mature in Christ, the more it is for your home to be godly. And this is absolutely true. This is absolutely true. When the devil fights marriages, he's actually fighting that unity because he knows that there is power in that unity. One person chases a thousand, two chases ten thousands. Then the devil confuses two people who are supposed to be chasing ten thousand to face each other and fight each other. You need God to navigate this journey. Praise God. God has an order for marriage. I've been speaking about the plans of God and now I'm going to run through every other thing I have in my notes. God has an order for marriage. God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of the man. The man is the head of his wife. It is as simple as that. 1 Corinthians eleven thirteen. God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of the man. Man is the head of his wife. We live in a time when they would rather fight this. People would rather fight it. That why is it like that? No, who told you that a woman cannot lead? Who told you that, you know, why can't we not be? There are a lot of arguments out there. But the Bible says that the word of God is settled forever. You see, there's nothing you can do about this. It is the order that God has put in place. It's just like the order that is governing the universe, the rules, how the sun comes up, how it sets. It is how the seasons come and how they go. It is exactly like that. It is the order that God has put in place. So if you are unmarried, rather than be agitated or be angry as a woman, what do you do? Marry someone that can lead you. Very simple. Marry someone that you think is wise. You already think that this person is wise. Marry someone that even without being married, you will easily, you know, follow their advice. Because you think they have sense already. If the person you are dating, most times you think he's stupid and you're a woman, you are going to find yourself in a very big trouble in marriage. Pastor put on his status during the week that someone that you cannot walk with in courtship, how will you sit with the person in marriage sharing the same space? Someone that you cannot wait to get away from. Let him carry his stupidity away. I need a break from this one. How is he reasoning like this? You marry that reasoning that's what you'll be looking at from morning till night. So if you are a woman, 
you can't fight the order. A lot of women feel like um, that, that order is not on their side. And it is because of the kind of people they got married to. Because where I am, I'm enjoying myself. That order is even paying me self. It's even paying me. So you know, woke up with a stomach pain in the middle of the night. I woke my husband up, start praying. It's not that I cannot pray, but you pray. Let me say amen. How will I be angry if they say the man is the priest? When I walk in on him praying, I will just quickly write prayer point on paper. Excuse me, sir. Talk to the heavens. Amen. So that order is paying me. You can see it's because of the kind of person that I have married. Praise God. If you are a man, marry someone who is going in your direction. That is what will help you. So when you are going in the same direction and you are leading in the direction that she already wants to go, everything is perfect. You will not have to be shouting that, don't you know that I'm the head of this family? You will not even, there's no time to do that. You guys are pursuing the same things. Just before I met my husband, just before I met a brilliant young man that was, he wanted to be looking like it. But my God helped me to kick him out. He now wanted to be disguised and be looking like it. The reason why I did not, I did not, I was not tempted at all, even though he's wonderful, is because he is not going the direction that I sense that God wants me to go, you know, the direction that God wants me to go. It wasn't going that direction. And so when we begin to talk about life and your goals, your dreams, your passions, what you consider that you'll be doing for the rest of your life, you know, if you didn't have to work for money, what will you be doing? His only dream was to be in the bank. Nothing more. You know, and I would try to tell him, okay, so after getting a bank job, so what again? You know, ah, my God. You know, there's a level you rise to in a bank. You'll be able to switch to another bank for a higher position, more salary. It, it really wasn't making sense. Okay, so he's a, he's, a, he's a great guy. I began to talk to him about books. I love books so much that I thought I would meet my husband in a library or a bookstore. It's, it's, it's that much. I like books that much. So I began to talk to him about books, self-development books, you know, all these books. And he would say that you know, he is not interested. Do I have books on accounting? Do I, have, I don't have my brother. I don't have books on accounting. On the other hand, my husband and I, oh, my husband and I, you see how sweet it sounded. We had bookshop dates when we were dating. Like, what are we doing this evening? We are going to window shop at a bookstore. If you are lucky, you can quickly reach chapter one before you drop the book. Do you understand? We had those kind of dates. We, we, we used to go to, oh, what's that place called? Is it Genesis? No, back on campus. 
There was this place, I think it was Fela Drotoe that sponsored it. It's a little library where you can go in, borrow a book, sit and read it, then drop it and go. Then if you are chance the following day, you come back for the same book. We used to have our dates that way. That there's a book I'm reading. Me too, there's one I'm even reading. Let's go for an hour. That was where I read The Millionaire Next Door. I remember vividly. We had those kind of dates. Till now, we still have fun going to bookshops. And if you have been to our house, you know, you know the massive library that we have. Okay, so do you understand what I'm saying? As a woman, marry someone that, whose leadership you don't mind. As a man, marry someone that is already going your direction or that likes the direction that you are going so that there will be no problems because the order for marriage that God has put in place, there's nothing you can do about it. Thirdly, God has opinions on roles in marriage. Praise the Lord. God has opinion on roles in marriage. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But I got my freedom when I found something in Titus chapter 2 verse 4 where, you know, the Bible says that the older women should teach the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, to be busy at home, you know, to be keepers at home. The, the moment I found those, that scripture, all my questions, all my agitations, everything just disappeared. God has left a message here that, okay, me as a woman, I should take care of my home. I was liberated. I know people are still fighting it. Why is it? Why is it? This is what the scripture says. God has an opinion on roles. And if you are one of those who fight it, I want you to know that I have walked in my own role as a wife. And I have seen how my cooking has delighted my husband so much that he will just credit my account. I could have been there fighting that can't you cook too? This Ogbono soup, I've taught you how to cook it before. But for this same Ogbono soup now, I've gotten credit a lot and plenty kisses. Men can testify that when they walk in their role, in their role as the priest in their family, when a man is taking care of his spiritual life and saying to his wife, come, I've been praying for you and the Lord is telling me this and this about you. That woman is going to love you. She's going to reverence you. Do you understand me? When you say that I'm going on a seven days fast specifically to pray for our family and to receive the direction that God wants us to go in the next decade. Walking in your place, in your role as the priest. Not tweeting that uh, we are missing praying mothers. The children of nowadays, we meet praying mothers. What's that? God has opinion, strong one. On what your role is as a man and what your role is as a woman. Look at the Trinity. Isn't God wonderful? 
Because everything about marriage, you can actually find it in God. The Trinity, even though they are one, yet they have their roles, right? It is so pronounced. God the Father, there's God the Son. That's the Lamb that must be slain. And there is the Holy Spirit, who is our companion, our comforter, our teacher. Everyone has their roles. And I've never heard the Holy Spirit say to me, Fumi, but I'm the one that talks to you. Why do you pray in Jesus' name? Never. And Jesus has never said, I'm the one that died for you. Why do you say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name? Am I not in heaven? Do you understand me? Those roles, those roles, very critical. To enjoy your marriage, I promise you, embrace your role. Embrace your role. Embrace it. Be proud of it. And if you need help, if you need wisdom, be sure that God is willing and able to help you. Hallelujah. Next is intentionality. Intentionality. A good marriage does not just happen. It requires a deliberate and an intentional way of life every day. See, in marriage, you have to be so intentional. You have to be as intentional as I hug my wife when I come in, first thing. As in, you have to be as intentional as that. And then make a mental note of that. Or write it somewhere if that's what it requires. You cannot just say that, oh, we want to be an affectionate couple. And that's where it ends. That, oh, I want to be affectionate. No. How? You have to be intentional about it. Are you listening to me? You have to be intentional about your connection. Time spent together as a couple. Which day of the week are we spending the evening together all alone by ourselves? You don't have to go out. Just me and you. If we fight during that time today, we argue, it's good for us. Because it means that we had a pending issue to trash out. We may trash it out today. Next date, when you are alone together, maybe you'll be telling stories. Another day, maybe you'll be making plans. But your connection is paramount. Creating that time, very important. You must fight for it intentionally. And make sure that you are doing something about it. What of romance? I know some of the brothers, when I was saying that marriage is not about being romantic, they were happy or well. It is part of it. Women love it. They enjoy it. They long for it. Praise God. Covenant-mindedness. Remembering that your marriage is a covenant. It's not just a, um, any other word. There are a lot of words that you can use to describe marriage. But paramount, most important, is that this is a covenant between you, your spouse, which God is a witness to. And that is why that popular scripture in Malachi, God was saying that you are wondering why I'm not answering your prayers because you have betrayed the wife of your youth. 
the one whom you made a covenant with before me, you have betrayed that person. And you wonder why I am not answering your prayers. Hallelujah. So intentionality. That my wife is first. My husband is first. Even before the children. Before my job, of course. Before the ministry. Do you agree with that order? Do you agree with it? Men can be so lost in their jobs. They can be so lost with pursuing stuff, trying to achieve, you know, make money, rise at the, at, with their career and all of that. But your wife, your spouse must come first and you must be intentional about it. Hallelujah. Selflessness. Selflessness. It's not about what you want. It is not about what you want. It is about what is best for your spouse, first of all. First of all. The Bible says, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you the interest of other people. Each of you the interest of your spouse. This is so powerful. See, if we remove selfishness from marriage, if, you re if we remove me, I, from marriage, you will see that most of the problems that people have will vanish. If you can only listen to the other person, if you can empathize even when you don't understand, if you choose to put the person, your husband, your wife before yourself, Like when I make, when I make um, sauce for rice, I've told this story over and over again. I don't understand why my husband thinks that we should make stew for rice with palm oil. I mean, this is what I ran away from, from my father's house. <laughs> That's what I ran away from. And I've come now to my own home where I will cook exactly what I like. And then this Egba man decides that my, father, my father's kind of stew is the one we'll continue with. Ha! It's not fair now. So I began to talk about it. Let him see the reason why we should use vegetable oil. You know, we will not have um, all the spices. Ha! Don't have spice. Oh. Salt and magi is okay. In fact, Banwaru is there locust beans. Ha! But the Lord says that I must put his interest before mine. And I accepted that admonition from the Lord. Some people call themselves Christians, but they hate the scriptures. They fight the, the scriptures. They are hungry. That why, why should I? Why can't he? Why should I? Why can't he? So I, I began to cook the palm oil stew. I remember when we just got married, when we have visitors and I serve them, I will apologize that I can cook better than this, but this is my husband. He's the one dulling my shine. But after three years, do you know that I began to prefer palm oil? So we are the palm oil family. I began to prefer it. I fell in love with it over again. 
And the beautiful thing is that right now, he doesn't mind either one. Vegetable oil or palm oil. He likes to blast loud music. The house should be sounding gigi, 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 gigi. I don't like noise. I mean, we need time to think. And he says that the music is not disturbing his thinking. It's disturbing mine. I can't hear myself in my mind. Reduce the volume. Then when he reduces the volume, I promise you, in another two minutes, that new volume is too high. Please reduce the volume. Then he will reduce the volume. And just give me just 90 seconds. This new volume is too high. Can you put it off? I don't want noise in my house. He could say I'm the head of this family. But he has put my interest before his own. And now we don't even have loudspeakers at home. Yes. Pastor said for now. We don't even have those loudspeakers anymore. He uses airports. I'm even encouraging him that even as you're using airpiece, reduce the volume. Because if I sit close to you, I'll be hearing. It's too loud. Praise God. You must put the other person before you. The Bible says that you are not to look out for your own interest. These scriptures I've been sharing with you are some of the ones that God gave to me to help me. You are not looking out for your own interest. The best kind of marriage is the one where this one is looking out for the interest of her husband and the husband is looking out for the interest of the wife. So beautiful. Praise God. <sighs> okay. Let me talk about just one more and I'll close. I have like four others that I would have loved to share with you. Okay, so communicate. You have to communicate. You have to learn how to communicate. Oh, I had to learn how to communicate with my husband. I realized that dissatisfaction in marriage is often as a result of um, expectations, unmet expectations. Two great people are married to each other, but they don't know how to love each other right. So the husband does not know what exactly the wife wants. Why is she angry? She used to smile a lot when we were courting. Why is she always sad now? Unmet expectations are eating. A woman gets married thinking that I have now entered into the life. All those things I saw, I read about in M&B. Do you guys know M&B? Romance novels, where when he looks into her eyes, you don't have to talk. He already knows what you need. Or when you wake up, is to the smell of coffee that he has brought to you in bed. And then you now go and marry somebody from my husband's village. He, he, he used the door. He first of all banged the door first. You, you wake up with a jolt. 
no coffee in view. Only loud noise. Then you are thinking, what kind of marriage is this? Somebody wrote to me, eh, I, I don't even understand the, the thing. Like, are you trying to waste my time? My husband is a good man. It's just that I just think that I'm thinking that maybe he should be a romantic. You better get to work. If it's a good sister, go and cook. Let people that have real issues, let me give them my time. Expectations that are unmet is what leads to most of the dissatisfaction that people, people experience. A man gets married thinking that, thank God. I never have to do my own laundry again. I never have to cook for myself ever again in my entire life. Your wife that is expecting breakfast in bed, you don't even know how to toast bread. So you are waiting to be served your breakfast and she's waiting for her own breakfast too. Problem has started small, small. Do you understand? Unmet expectations. A man gets married and says, Hallelujah. I've been holding myself since forever. Now is sex morning, sex afternoon, sex night, just firing. And you now call your wife, pay my dear. Now that I've paid the bride price, enter that room. And she looks at you like this which room? The room I came out from three days ago. Is it food? Is it for Gary? <laughs> or Eba? Or Beans and Dudu? They are now looking at each other. That which kind of woman being is this? You have changed. Unmet expectations. Some of your expectations are unrealistic. Your unrealistic expectations, well, they are unrealistic. But then there are those expectations that are uncommunicated. And so maybe if you are able to communicate it, rather than get angry or expect the other person to know, you know, things will be better for you. In fact, the unrealistic um, expectations, if you discuss it, you talk about it, then your wife can laugh at you very, very well. And you will know that, ah, let me just forget about this. You get but unspoken expectations. There are things that your spouse would have been able to do for you. But because you don't communicate it or you don't say it in such a way that you understand, ah, there is a way men communicate. And there is a way women communicate. I'm going to talk about inting only today out of the nine or ten that I have. Women int a lot when they communicate. And another woman will catch it very quickly. But men, my God, if you int, ah, you will have to int again, no? For the next three, four days, you may be inting till you get angry. One day I told an older friend of mine, you know, it was, it was getting close to Valentine's Day and we were being, we talk, we're being naughty because we talk that way. That so this Valentine is coming out. We speak Yoruba. That how are we going to do it? You know how are we going to celebrate it? Let's get new this. Let's shop for these ones. And I realized that we're not vibing the way we usually vibe when we talk around um, intimacy. 
So I asked her, the auntie, now, what's happening? She said that her husband, that one, that one, nothing for him. Ah, I started begging her, now, and what's happening? Explain to me. She said, can you imagine this man that I married? Four days ago, I've already started my plans. But I stood in front of the mirror and I was even eating my head. And I was saying that, ah, this is my hair. Is it not now rough like this? I even, you know, turned so that I can see the air well. That this air, is there? And, he, and he wore his clothes and left for work. <laughs> and you hit your head very well. Then when he came back, I now still continued that maybe if somebody can even wash this air now, eh? all this itching. I was now eating my head. The next thing, he said, is dinner ready? That's so, no, nothing. I now explained, you know, what exactly did you want? Me, I know what she wanted. Is money or a salon appointment? How much will it cost to make your hair? Do you want to change your hairstyle? Eh? Should I drop you off at the salon on my way to work tomorrow? That's what she was expecting. But the guy does not understand. His mind is not even there. Your head is itching you. Ahead, do you, is it, do you have like palakpa or something? You know? Go and treat yourself. The men here are saying pour water. Now, if your head is your head is itchy, just pour water. That's the solution. She was now angry that she would cancel all her plans for Valentine. I now explained to her that you didn't communicate well. You cannot int. You cannot be inting a man. They are just not wired that way. If a man wants to cut his hair, he's never going to say, "This is my hair." Is he itching me? Is it, you know, I'm going to cut my hair. Simple. He may even cut the hair before telling you. That's what has to be done. He has done it. Men approach, you know, they approach com conversations or communications as passing information. You want to pass an information across. Women approach it from the angle of relationship. Let's be talking about it. They, my hair. It's a conversation. It will now be going back and forth. When did you plant this one? Have you reached three weeks? No. It's just two and a half weeks now. You know, I don't like to carry my hair for long. So you two now say, hey, you are trying, oh. You really like your beauty, oh. And she now say, yes, right from when I was young. My mommy used it to train us. Me and my sisters. Do you get... So you must learn to communicate. If pastor will give me an opportunity, maybe I will teach you on the different ways that men communicate with women. Women communicate. You know, to just learn to communicate. God will not do that one for you. You will develop it by yourself. You will work on it by yourself. And then God will now bless your efforts in your marriage. I believe this is a good place to round up. I hope you have been blessed. Thank you for listening to this message. Meditate on these words and watch how it will transform your life. 
For inquiries, please call 0909-672-9827 or 0807-548-5997. You can reach us on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram at SLChurchNG. You can reach us on our Facebook. That's Supernatural Life Church.